Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. The reality is, in our province, this election will set the course for, our, our, for the people who live here for many years to come. Well, this whole election has, has been about change. Uh, people are sick and tired. People are sick and tired of being the uh, most indebted subnational debt in the entire world at $346 billion. There can and should be people at Queen's Park to make sure that these extreme ideas on either side of the political spectrum, that they don't go unchecked. We need a check on either of these extremes. So there, the last voice you heard was that of Kathleen Wynne, the uh, self-admitted, about-to-be-defeated premier of the province of Ontario. And before that, the, uh, some will say the favorite, others, well, most would say the favorite, um, and Andrea Horvath, Doug Ford, of course, and then the Andrea Horvath, the NDP leader, who is either very close to Doug Ford as far as the numbers are concerned, or as some people are telling me, it really doesn't matter. It's Ford's election to lose. I don't know. I do know that Daryl Bricker told us yesterday, and we'll play a little bit of that interview for you later. Um, the CEO of Ipsos told us yesterday that Ontarians want a majority government. And he says right now, it looks as though the... Uh, it favors Doug Ford. I tweeted a few minutes ago that I've been talking to business people over the last, well, last week and a bit, um, just before I went away and then when I came back. And over the last three days, two and a half days, three Ontario business people have told me that if it's an NDP victory, they're gone. And I know there's always that emotional response that, yeah, if I don't get what I want, I'm gone. But these people are very serious. And they told me that they've been approached by uh, states in the U.S. quite regularly. We've heard that from other business people in this province. And uh, one of the individuals I spoke with said that he's been offered 10 years tax vacation by the state that's trying to get him to move there. 10 years. And uh, they're willing to build him a, a facility on the grounds of a defunct factory. And the community where he'd be moving to is just desperate for jobs. So he said to me, look, Roy, if it's an NDP victory, I was here for 90 to 95. I'm not going to be here post 2018. We'll see. I was talking to my good friend Joe Warmington uh, about three weeks ago, one of the great columnists, great journalists in this country. And, uh, and we got to talking about freedom of expression and freedom of speech and how it's more and more difficult to, or appears to be more and more difficult for us to say what we feel, write what we think, without being constantly checked by those on the left. And Joe's back with me uh, on the show. We're going to talk to him for a few minutes about this. 
You and I just riffed about that, Joey. I don't know, remember, I really don't remember how it started, but we just started well, a riff, and the response has been unbelievable. Yeah, and I think that's what the underlying theme of this whole election is, even in the clips you just played now, Roy, where you had the Premier talking about, well, that's extremists, you know, extremists on both sides, extremist views. That's the Premier talking. And, of course, you know, you talk about extremists. I mean, she's the one that brought in the sex ed curriculum. Now, I know what you're thinking. As I said, sex ed curriculum, I mean, if you were like me when I used to host a show, I'd be like, oh, uh, hair in the back of my neck standing up. The audience is thinking the same thing. What's he going to say? And what can he say? And if he says something wrong, they're going to come down on you. And that's just one example. So, you know, uh, the sex ed curriculum, which I think is extremist and lunacy really to think that you're going to teach children at this age it's not age appropriate by saying that i will be checked immediately might as well test it on twitter and other places because they'll be calling you homophobic or whatever and yet nobody's calling the people that are bringing forward these, these sort of strange ideas any names they're just saying hey listen let's have a conversation about this is this age appropriate so i i use that example just because it's perfect to illustrate the problem that you have if everything that you say, if you're not going to have a conversation, it's the same on the left. I'll just quickly say it with Andrea Horwath and some of her ideas. Um, you know, and talk about particularly in the areas you just mentioned about business and different things like that, people leaving and we're taking taxpayers' money and throwing it at businesses like you just described. You should be able to have a conversation about all of these things. In her case, she talks about that sanctuary province or to have the labor unions never, ever, ever legislated back to work. Well, those are billion-dollar decisions right there, health care and all, and we're not allowed to say anything. Yeah. Joe, you also, over the last week and a half, two weeks, you've exposed several NDP provincial election candidates for disrespect to veterans and Remembrance Day, the brother of the federal NDP leader, also a provincial candidate, carrying that sign that read F the police, Another NDP candidate describing Toronto's black chief of police as a C and blank, blank, N. Uh, and another with a pro-Hitler Facebook meme. No apology, no firing of oh. candidates by Andrea Horvath. And clearly she doesn't, she doesn't fear the kind of, or she doesn't, she's not concerned about the kind of response that she may get from the right as people who she's are on the conservative side of the ledger get from the left. She gets a pass on it. She gets and, a pass. You know, my colleague Sue Ann Levy, who, you know, did, 50% of those uh, stories, we worked on these things together. I'll tell you why in a moment, but she was challenging Andrea Horwath in a very you know tough way that she doesn't get. Doug Ford gets that. Donald Trump gets that. Stephen Harper got it. They went after Mike Duffy with everything they you know could ever think of, and even though that was nothing. So, you know, you start to, so it's nice to see someone like Sue Ann. Like, I couldn't go up and do what Sue Ann does and start you know, challenging and hollering at Andrea Horwath. But Andrea Horwath flipped it around and said, no, you're the, you're, you're the problem. You're the problem for daring to, to raise these issues. And, you know, I'm sorry, but when you're, when you're saying that people like Roy Green and myself and all the millions of others are brainwashed because we're wearing a poppy and that it's offensive to have, you know, the uh, troops at Leaf game or the Argo game, Ticat game, whatever, um, you know, it's, it's really, really uh, troublesome. And I think that that's one of the great tools that the left brought in. But don't think for a minute that Doug Ford uh, doesn't know all this. So let me ask you a question, and you can be honest about it, since we're doing free speech. 
has Doug Ford been on your show at all in this campaign? No. And the reason for that, I suspect, is because not because he doesn't want to come on your show. I mean, are you kidding? Come on the Roy Green show is, is you know, it's a nice invitation to, to receive for anybody. And he certainly came on the show when he wasn't running for premier. The reason why is because he knows that you're liable to get him to say something that will be clipped and moved around and that will cost him seats. and He doesn't want to be beat. That's why he hardly ever talks to me. I've only talked to him once in the whole campaign. And, uh, you know, that's, that's unusual because I talked to him once a week for the last 10 years. And so that's what happens with, uh, with free speech. And it only goes one way, as we saw with the Roseanne situation in the U.S., well, it, well, it does, and uh, and Joe, um, uh, also looking at the story, and I was trying to think of what the issue was. It was an issue that I was thinking about this morning. It was the border. If and it started a couple of years ago when I started to get criticized for using the word foreigner, that was attacked. I was some sort of bigot and racist and non-inclusive individual because I referred to people who weren't Canadians and were in Canada as foreigners. And Jason Kenney was the immigration minister at the time, and he was on the show, and I mentioned that to him. And first he laughed, and then I, I got the sense he got angry uh, because clearly that word applies. But that's how it started. Now, if you challenge the fact that, and I'm going to do that in the next hour with Michelle Rempel, uh, if you challenge the fact that the federal government and uh, uh, the uh, immigration minister, Hussein, is given $50 million to Quebec and Manitoba and Ontario, ostensibly to help with all of the expenses of assimilating or taking care of or housing the people who enter the country illegally. If you challenge that, somehow you are also going to be considered a racist and a bigot and non-inclusive. Fact is, our borders are there for a reason. And the reason they're there is to provide security to the country. And right now, I believe our security is being compromised by people who have no right to be in Canada entering the country. And it worries me when the prime minister uses words like um, is it irregular instead of illegal. And just my saying this over the last minute and a half is going to get me emails saying you're a racist. What word are you supposed to use if they tell you that? Uh, no. Like somebody no, comes across the border there in Quebec. On that uh, that road there, I can't think of the name of it, but Roxham Road, Roxham Road, Roxham Road. Yeah. yeah, they come across there. What what are you supposed to call them? Well, exactly. And I, okay, you know, Joe, I don't worry about it, uh, but I know that some people do. I don't care if people attack me for what I say because I'm, I'm saying what I really believe. That's my job. I'm supposed to do that. If we went down that. to do a show together on Roxham Road, which yeah. we should do, we should. They would try to keep us a mile or two away. Yeah. And that's where their protesters, their Antifa and all those kinds of people are, which they consider, pro, they call them pro-refugee. Look, we're all pro-refugee. If, 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 if you and I could do anything to help somebody, we'll do it. That's not the issue. The issue is do it the right way. Stand in the queue. You know, uh, my wife came from the Philippines, my son, and she has an older son. We've got one of those mixed families and different different things, uh, you know, different nationalities, all that stuff. But I'll tell you one thing we didn't do is cheat the system. Everybody applied the right way. Everybody's doing the right things. And it works. It's, it, it's slow, but it works. But it'd be a lot easier just to sort of jump the queue, take all the money, and, uh, you know, go from there. But not everybody's like that. In fact, most of the people that I know through 
you know, personal connections and also through my professional life are the same way. They, they are very proud of you know, being Canadian or trying to become Canadian. And that is what it's all about. I don't know what Prime Minister Trudeau and the other people are, are up to, but uh, it's not what, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not above being criti- uh, criticized. No. Joe, uh, freedom of expression is really a fundamental tenet that I'm becoming more and more appreciative of uh, by the day, because it becomes more and more attacked by people who seem to have no problem with freedom of expression being limited and somehow feel that the constitutional right to express yourself as you wish, as long as you're not engaging in specifically in clear hate speech, they, they seem to feel that it's okay to be compromised, to have freedom of speech compromised. They have no idea what that will mean to them and their lives and the lives of their kids. They have no concept of well, just really how damaging that this. will be. I'm very concerned about this. And I'm not going to use the same line I used three weeks ago because, uh, you know, people said, oh, my God, don't say that. Uh, and I was talking about, you know, who gets to do shows in the future and things like that. Let's not go there. But what I will say is this, is that November 10th and 11th and around there, myself and my colleague, Michael Peake, now retired, great photographer. We went out onto Young Street, and we went on, you know, and this is a lot of this is because of our good friend Don Cherry had, had sort of pointed it out. And we counted 100 at a time for poppies. And there was many times, 100, no poppies, 100, no poppies. And then it kind of picked up, and it became, you know, 11 per 100. And that was pretty well the average. So 11%. We're wearing a poppy. This is downtown Bay Street, Young Street, all that down there. It's so troublesome that Mayor John Tory bought a box, and we went with him, and he went and handed them out to people. You have to hand them out. Now, you say, well, and I, I've had a lot of emails like this. You know, the poppy should be white poppies. It glorifies war in the past. And the kids do understand it because they get it in the schools. But that is free speech because that is the blood right there. That ran, and you know, remember what that uh, the one candidate said about uh, letting the uh, poppy bleed out. You know, yeah. as if yeah. as if it's a joke that people bled out. I, I don't know. I look at I, I. I don't care what the CRTC rules are. I want Doug Ford to win this election, and he's not perfect, and he will make mistakes. But he's not a guy that'll run away from the poppy and the veterans and the working people. Uh, the NDP candidates, and I'm not saying Andrea Horwath, even though we did do a story of her on her phone, looking at her phone right in the moment of silence, uh, that that can happen. I mean, I've done the same thing at times, and so, you know, that's I don't think she meant it, but the NDP candidates are scary as hell, and that's my free speech. All right, Joe. Great talking to you again. It's uh, generated a tremendous amount of response. I'm glad that you agreed to can follow I have another, up. I just want to say this one yeah. thing. Thank you for having me. I'm at the Bread and Honey Festival in Streetsville, so if anybody's listening and you want to say hello, I'm here. But this, I, you know, I talked about this. They canceled the pancake breakfast this year. Yeah. After 100 years of pancake breakfast, no more. I don't know why. And this is on the heels of them canceling the Santa, Santa Claus parade. So, you know, I just don't know what to say. I mean, you know, my kids were looking forward to that, and they were looking forward to the Santa Claus parade, too. So there's more free speech for me. Let's let's bring back the pancake breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. And Santa Claus needs the pancakes. It's just it's just incredible. It that is. It you, is. You know, I don't need to say any more. You know no. exactly what I mean. I do, All Joe. 
Thank you, my friend. All the best. Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun, one of the really great journalists in this country. He gets his teeth into a story, and he will not let go. And freedom of expression is so incredibly important. And after Joe and I spoke last time, it was just a series of emails and responses that that just kept going and kept going and kept going. I have a few things to say when we come back, and then we'll open the phone lines to you. Stay with us. He has been called many things, but we just call him Roy. This is The Roy Green Show. It's hard because I know, I know there are liberals who believe in us and believe in what we've been doing and what they are doing. And some of them are going to be mad, you know, they're going to be saying, Kathleen, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Some of them are just going to be sad. So this nagging little voice in the back of my head is saying, Kathleen Wynne and Andrew Horvath said that they would form some sort of alliance, some coalition if it was a minority government that favored the conservatives and Doug Ford. And I just wonder whether this presentation by the premier yesterday is sort of part of that. I'm still working on it. My number is 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. I'm very concerned about freedom of expression, and I'm very concerned in what I think is an increasing attack on people who have a conservative philosophy by people who are on the left. If people who have a conservative philosophy speak their minds, and people on the conservative side of things are capitulating, and you can't do that. People on the left have the right to speak their minds. People on the right have the right to speak their minds. It's called freedom of expression, and it's for all. If I challenge, and I'm going to challenge the fact that the Trudeau government is spending $50 million of our money to build housing for illegals entering this country, just saying illegals is get some people ticked off. But Ahmed Hussain, the immigration minister, says the money is to help the provinces dealing with large numbers of illegals. That's spin. Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec are not getting $50 million just to deal with, for, with housing. What's going on? There's also the white privilege argument. I've talked about that. I will not buy into this, but each time I hear something about racism, it seems to be directed at Caucasians. And the prime minister of this country always says, you can do better. We can do better. You have to do better. 800-263-2428 is my number. Is freedom of expression under attack? Are you somebody who feels that it doesn't really matter if freedom of expression is under attack? Are you willing to defend the poppy and remembrance day and the right to say what you want to say and challenge those who don't? 800-263-2428. Sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. This is the Roy Green Show. Follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. At the Roy Green Show, emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And the webpage is RoyGreenShow.com. And the podcast, you can listen back to 
anything that we air, anytime you choose. Freedom of expression. Somebody sent me an email and wrote, are you going to talk about Tommy Robinson in the UK? Yeah, I am today. Because this person said nobody else is doing it. No one. Certainly in Canadian media, this, their perspective is that nobody's talking about Tommy Robinson. He's the founder of the English Defense League, now a member of the think tank Quilliam, and he was arrested, charged, tried, and imprisoned in a matter of hours because he was contrary to court order. He was filming, live streaming on Facebook, the appearance of individuals were charged with grooming girls for rape gangs in the UK. And the majority of the men who were being charged were of Pakistani origin. And so there was immediately there was fear, no, you can't talk about this, you're going to be accused of being a racist. Why? In Rotherham in England, which is a community not too far from where I lived as a kid, and in Newcastle, there were rape gangs, and they're saying that there have been hundreds and maybe thousands of British girls and women, some as young as 11, who've been groomed by these rape gangs, and a lot of them, the majority of them, from what I've been reading, and we're going to be talking to a member of the European Parliament, who's from London about, about this later in the show today, but from what I've been reading, many, most, are of Pakistani origin or South Asian origin. And some in Britain are saying it could cost them their citizenship and they might be deported. But the police and the communities of Rotherham and Newcastle were so worried about political correctness, so worried about being branded racists and bigots, that they did nothing. They knew it was going on, but they did nothing to protect the girls because they didn't want to be called racists. So, Gerald Batten's going to be joining us, a member of the European Parliament for London. He's a member of the UK Independence Party, UKIP. Mr. Batten knows Tommy Robinson personally and has been interviewed by him. Now, I'm not saying Tommy Robinson is a perfect human being. I don't even know very much about him other than what I've shared with you. But it's a story worth telling, and it's a story worth reporting, and people aren't doing it, from what I'm hearing, because they're afraid. They're afraid. Dave is in Brampton, Ontario. Brave, thank, uh, Dave, thank you for the call. Go ahead, sir. Good afternoon. I am beyond sick of this. I'm sick of hearing about being alt-right because you have an alternative opinion. I'm centrist, maybe left of center. I am not a conservative. I'm not these neoliberals. And I speak my peace online often, but, and we have freedom of expression, which I believe may even be better than freedom of speech in the States. I see it in the States all the time. Uh, people are being attacked. Now, my concern is we can discuss being attacked. We can discuss being afraid to speak freely. And that's has been said on many media outlets and um, social media outlets, if you dig deep enough. My concern is why? And we start getting into these so-called conspiracy theories when we ask why. And I think I might have an idea why, but even saying that, you're just outed as some lunatic. But we have to know why. We're not just discussing that we can't and shouldn't because of what we're Great we, point. Uh, I mean, that's the yeah. most fundamental question. Right. Is why, and then by extension, how did we get here? 
How do we get to the point where we are now afraid, or some people are, majority of people are, afraid to say what was natural to be said or quite ask questions that were natural to be asked not so long ago? And I think, when it, I think when people express themselves freely and ask questions freely, it made for more of a cohesive society. Right, and one other quick thing. I'm sorry, you're, you're right, and that's what I'd like to address. Also, I don't actually think that we that speak out and we that want answers are the minority. I think we're being labeled the minority uh, when, in fact, we're the majority, but a minority few seem to be ruling the speech, and I'd like that to be addressed. Well, this is why I'm doing this today, Dave, and this is why I started the show with this, because we have this controversial issue coming up about Tommy Robinson. We're going to be speaking with... Uh, with uh, uh, Alfredo Corchado from the Dallas Morning News about the border, but this time it's going to be the border between Mexico and the United States. And Alfredo Corchado has had his life threatened on a number of occasions by Mexican drug cartels because of the articles that he's written. And this, he, he's, he's going to be talking about the border and give us a perspective from the southern border about our border, if that makes any sense, and we'll be talking about things and issues and people that I think a majority of folks would find rather, um, they'd be fearful to talk about it. Yeah, They'd be fearful you know, to bring it up. This, why, why are we afraid? I think the only reason why we're afraid is because we're going to get the Roseanne treatment. We're going to get some of these other people's treatment that they speak a little bit off to aside, we've got Jordan, uh, Professor Jordan Peter Her Peterson, who's being lambasted for his speaking, where he went to Queens and he's got legal people, legal expertise on his side, speaking about compelled speech and also overlapping that with the uh, so-called lack of freedom of speech that's being uh, given to us here in Canada and, and also in the United States. And I think we all know who Jordan Peterson is. If we don't, we better look him up. Well, he's been, on, he's been on this show. Dave, I thank you for the call. It's 800-263-2428. Freedom of expression. Do you feel comfortable enough to say what you think? Do you feel comfortable enough to challenge issues? Would you feel comfortable enough to question candidates for the New Democratic Party in Ontario? One who said, F the police, and he's the brother of the federal leader of the New Democratic Party. He's apologized for that. Fair enough. But there's lots of people who would still have difficulty bringing it up because they're afraid of being challenged, afraid of being criticized. No, this is where this is something that is is really, really seriously concerning is our right to say what's on our minds to one another express our thoughts to one another, challenge each other without being fearful that someone from left field or right field is going to somehow try to derail our lives because that's what happens. People's lives get derailed and so they're afraid to speak because have you ever, have you heard police recently if a police officer tries to describe what's happened? They're so careful to use the most Bland language. It's, it's, it's almost impossible at times to figure out. I'm, ex, I'm, I'm, I'm 
exaggerating a bit, but not much. It's sometimes difficult to figure out what it is the police officer is actually talking about because they're so careful to not offend anybody by describing what took place. Jim is in Midtown Toronto. Hey, Jim, thank you for the call, sir. Yeah, hi, Ray. Uh, it's uh, simple and straightforward, as I told uh, in this case, uh, the gentleman that, that uh, screens the calls. It's simply uh, education, Roy. They've taken over uh, the, uh, as we'll refer to them, the Red Diaper Doper Baby Legion has taken over our educational institutions. They're indoctrinating the kids, and as we age, yeah, a younger group, uh, they become more and more radicalized, even the police, and they've uh, muffled everyone in uh, a free society. Certain topics are acceptable, others aren't, but it's going to backfire on them because... All right, but hold on. Let's go back to one of our callers earlier. It might have been the first caller who said, the question is why? Why is this happening? (laughs) Why? No, seriously, it's a very important question. Why is it happening? Well, you know, over the millennia, Roy, both left and right have tried to control society. Now it's the left's turn. Eventually, this will backfire on them. The economy will peter to a halt, as it has now in Ontario, and you'll get a real strong kickback. But what it's going to do... But what's that got to do with freedom of speech or freedom of expression? What does it have to do? Because once they're conditioned, Roy, in this case, they'll only accept certain aspects of uh, freedom of speech or uh, freedom to determine, because the poppy issue and other... No, we've been indoctrinated. None of them can hold a, a weapon, let alone fire it off. Roy, you were in the Navy. Tell me, who would defend freedom now? The point is to zero in on what your screener asked. The fact that they control our academic institutions means that they pretty much control the thoughts of our kids, period. That's it, Parents, here, here's, here's another one for you. Parents are now afraid mm-hmm. to discipline their kids. Here's an example. Now, this, was, this goes back about 20 years. But I think, you still there? He's gone. This is still relevant. A friend of mine, his 15-year-old daughter was having a disagreement with his mother, with her mother, with his wife. And it got loud, really loud. And so he, the father, went and took his 15-year-old daughter by the arm, walked her to her bedroom, had her go inside the bedroom, closed the door, and said, come out when you can speak civilly to your mother. The next day, mom and dad got home, and there was a list of organizations that kids can call if they feel they're being abused by their parents. The list was on the fridge. Were those parents intimidated? Maybe. Certainly got their attention. Though these parents now are concerned about what they say to their kid, to their child. I know there are people going to be saying, well, he shouldn't have grabbed her by the arm. He's her father. She was shouting at her mother. 800-263-2428. Robert in Hamilton. Go ahead, Robert. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Good. I just worry about free speech being eroded immensely. And I, I think it starts with, I know you, you get a lot of different people I'm talking to you today. I'll give you my opinion. But we need to, to have the radio stations... We're always talking to some sort of expert. Expert, expert, radio says Hamilton is loaded by the same experts that have been there for 20 years. Keep playing them at like a replay every time. I like to see a radio station, and your whole agenda is to talk to people on the street. There's no other talk, people, no experts, 
bring up whatever topic you want, but your whole agenda is to talk to people on the street coast to coast. So no conversation necessary with uh, with a university professor. No, well, no, you're going to have, if he's on the street and you talk to him. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. I, I get you, and I think it's a valid point, because it, not so long ago, or maybe it was long ago, uh, radio stations or media would go to business people for points of view or opinions or right. go, to, go 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 somewhere. But now the default position seems to be to go to the universities and ask well, the professors what they think. The well, why do I care what somebody who lives with all due respect to the educators? Yeah. If you're in a university professor, you essentially live in an ivory tower. And your opinion matters. But it's not the only opinion, and it's, we shouldn't be going from professor to professor to professor. Well, I'm just saying, and this is my whole point, is yeah. that there's no there's no one radio station in North in, in Canada that's dedicated to hey today we're talking from let's say the McMaster University. Hey today we're talking on the street uh, or outside of Stalco. Hey we're talking on the street uh, that we're here on in front of the teachers. You can go anywhere you want with it and grab people. Yeah. Okay, but grab yeah. people. Yeah, but it's also going to have. It's going to have to be, and I thank you for the call, Robert. It's going to have to be somewhat entertaining to people because otherwise you're not going to listen. And that's a fact of life. There's something I want to share with you when we come back, and we'll see if we can squeeze in some more calls at eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. Top of the next hour, we're going to be joined by Michelle Rempel. She'll be joining us from Tanzania, the Conservative Party's immigration critic, and we'll talk to her about the immigration minister saying he's going to deliver $50 million to the provinces of Quebec, Ontario, and Manitoba so that they can take care of the expenses that are being run up by illegals, not irregulars, illegals entering the country illegally. I can't wait to read my emails at Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. He's always up for a good debate. This is the Roy Green Show. Even the issue of the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline has people uh, all fired up on for, for reasons that really I don't think are directly tied to the pipeline. Somewhat, but not totally. So if you're for the pipeline, then in some people's minds you're completely anti-environment. That doesn't make any sense because the pipeline is the most safe way to transport oil. And now I know there are going to be emails saying you're anti-environment. Let me read you an email that I received yesterday. This is from Bernie uh, in, in British Columbia. And Bernie had this uh, piece that he wrote. I, I guess he won't mind if I use his last name, Bernie Smith. And this was uh, printed uh, in the Vancouver Sun, I think it was, and uh, the province and the Winnipeg Free Press. So he writes, never have been a fan of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's style of politics, but as a retired deep-sea tanker master, have always hoped that the Trans Mountain Pipeline would be built so Canada could export its natural resource at market value. The federal government's bailout to Kinder Morgan on May 29th was something Ottawa could hardly avoid if they wanted the pipeline to proceed. Kinder Morgan had set their May 31st deadline for any further investments 
being unable to viably construct the pipeline due to obstructionist shenanigans from B.C.'s provincial government. While I understand those who object to tax dollars being used, I hope for profitable returns, as happened with previous bailouts in the oil industry, when the pipeline is eventually returned to private business, preferably sooner than later. Bigger mistakes concerning oil shipment have been made by Ottawa during several years of the current Liberal and former Tory governments. Since various pipelines were proposed about a decade ago, there's been a steady tide of misinformation about the safe transportation of oil to and from coastal terminals. Ottawa allowed malfeasant mendacities about tanker safety to fester unchallenged far too long, as those with a penchant for flipping their jaws with loudmouthed and loose-lipped frequency took over the debate completely. Everybody knows the ringleaders who trained their followers like so many circus performers, and everybody knows who's been hogging the spotlight for far too long. They won't go away now. Provincial and national news media will have microphones and cameras trained on the usual suspects during the long, hot, hazy, crazy days of summer that came a little earlier this year. If anyone is ready to blame for the tax dollars bailout, then it's surely those who love bathing in the glow of the Kleeglites who finally forced the government in Ottawa to take this action. Bernie Smith. So, yeah, he's right. The, it's, it's been so frequently repeated that double-hull tankers are a total disastrous danger that there's no other option that you're allowed to raise without being attacked as being some sort of anti-environment maniac. You understand this, that freedom of expression and the right to pursue it is what allows conversation to develop, is what allows to take the pressure off an issue, because if you not only express your fr- yourself, but are willing to listen to what other people have to say, that really lowers the pressure. Just for what it's worth, thanks to my friend Joe Warmington for joining us at the top of the hour. It really, really generated a lot of interest a couple of weeks ago when he and I just riffed on it. We'll come back in a minute and I'll tell you about the next hour.